Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> I can't hear you. Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? <laughs> this is the flight director. Begin launch status check. CLCDR checking all stations are manned and systems are ready. Give me a go, no go. Talker? Roger, FSC? That is a go. Capcom? <laughs> Navigation? Welcome back to Space Castle, your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. I'm Alex. I'm Seth. And I'm DT. And today, DT stands for Dungeon Troll. I didn't, I didn't think this through. <laughs> I want to talk about D&D, obviously. It's been 10 episodes. It's been way too long since we talked about this. I want to know what you guys think makes a great dungeon master. I've I've played some D and D in my, in my past and uh, word yeah a couple times <laughs> I do have dice in in arm's reach right now at least three at least three or four sets that's not a good measure man because I've got uh fourteen sets within yeah, arm's you, reach you make dice this isn't fair anyway <laughs> tell me tell me what makes a good dungeon master I know that Seth is a is a DM. I know that DT is more of a player character person. Mm-hmm. So I think we can we can provide some interesting takes here. I want to know about it. Tell me about it. Oh, boy. I mean, well, first of all, Alex, you've picked a very difficult question to answer. Second of all, what makes a good Dungeon Master is these three things. One. Time to get philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> one, you are extant. Two, you are also verbal. Three, you don't necessarily have to be, ber- be verbal. Congratulations, you did it. Well done. <laughs> okay, now to peel back that top layer and dig a little <laughs> deeper. Yeah, we can go into step one because that's a little broad. You do need to be extant. That is a requirement. Uh, you have to exist in the universe. Um, outside of that, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't, I don't feel very qualified to talk about like what makes a good DM or a good player because... I don't know, right? Like I, I don't know. Sometimes people are good. Except <laughs> your your humility is showing. He's being very, very modest right now. No, I this don't. This motherfucker's think I built am. entire fleshed out worlds with lores and languages, and like I, I got lost in that world one time, and I want to lose myself in it again. Yes, Let please. Let me hit you with this though. I don't think that just because I build out entire huge worlds with conlangs in them, that doesn't make me a good DM. That makes me a, a guy who had a whole bunch of fucking time on his hands, sure, but like... Well, it makes you engaged, and that's one of the biggest parts of aha. it. Aha! I do think that that is a, a really important part, is being engaged, both as a DM and a, as a player. I think it is very important to be engaged with what's happening, and like, I don't know, in, enthusiastic might be a good yes. metric. It, it, like, enthusiastic about being there, being part of the, the whole world that you're partaking in. Like, I don't know, I think... I think that enthusiasm is a very important thing um, to to making a good player slash DM, but I couldn't tell you more. <laughs> well, you also, 
you have to you have to have some question marks right like you if you create as a world builder this like wide i've seen your wikis right seth built the wiki and then populated it with his world yeah <laughs> which is nuts amazing so, i gotta keep so, track of shit man <laughs> yeah well and that's the thing is like there's enough shit to keep track of in a in a campaign you ran us through uh, a handful of sessions where we we're just like oh i could tell the scope of the world by the nature of there were so many question marks we had characters doing things and popping up and doing things that we didn't think were possible you know there were there were a lot of conundrums for us to unravel um and i think that that for me is something that makes a a, a great dungeon master somebody that's like leaving little seeds here and there uh for you to kind of figure out along the way yeah i think one of the qualities that you need to be a good dm is like real storytelling chops where you need to better understand not just the world that you're playing within because that is important and you do need to know the rules and some of the at least the boundaries and stuff right so that you can properly like have a play space but i do think that it's very important to be able to maintain a good suspension of disbelief uh, for your players and in order to do that you have to be able to like carry on good conversations you need to be able to improv really really well right yes because like you need to yeah. to not just uh yes you can go in here no this section's off limits right? it's not a pokemon game you can't just like <laughs> oh you can't cut down this bush you can't go down this path you have to be able to like improv about like when your players are like i'm gonna climb this tree you know like i guess uh what's your movement speed is maybe a good way to determine if you can climb give me a dex check i guess to see if you fall you have to be able to improv within those rules which i think is is extremely important you also to to be able to carry on the story you have to be able to improv shit like that so when your players are like i'm gonna reach into a hell dimension and see if i can convince a demon to come fight for us you're like <laughs> fuck all right uh give me eight seconds so i can improv this and then figure out how to implement the thing i decided on my brain into this world while keeping you guys enthralled in the story i need to be able to improv without breaking your suspension of disbelief so you have to know what makes a good story uh you have to know how to maintain a good story you have to be able to leave those questions for your players and not just build a good world because good worlds are difficult to build but a lot easier to build in my opinion because it's just, it's just like you and your basement or whatever the fuck like you have time to do that when you're at the table or behind the zoom call you don't have a lot of time you have to improv so you have to know the rules you have to know the rules of the world you have to know the rules of the story so that you can maintain your player's suspension of disbelief which is really hard and i am not very good at it but i think like for me as a player even when a dm tries that's enough because like i want to be I like I want to suspend my disbelief when I'm playing this game. Like I want to be a part of this world. So if if the DM's even like trying, even if they're failing, that's usually enough for me to stay in the story. Well, you're building a story together, right? Like yeah. I like I I like what you what you said there that you I think for me when I think about being a DM, you you also can't be so tied to your story. You have you know, you mentioned you have to improv, but you also have to be willing to cuz that's what you're doing when you're playing D&D is that you're you know you're you're collaboratively telling a story 
and you can't really if somebody wants to summon up a demon from the the underworld then all right well we're gonna roll with it and see if it works yeah and if it does then well shit we're doing it yeah can i just say it's something i love about seth that he said he's not an authority to speak on on being a player or or a dungeon master and then he just literally just wrote us a fucking amazing manual just now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Off the top of his head. just like, Off the yep, top of his head, man. Uh, look. You don't give yourself enough credit. You're fucking amazing. Maybe yeah. you might be right, but I, I like to cultivate that kind of thing. I also, <laughs> like, that's just how I do things, right? That doesn't make me an authority. What I do agree with is the, like, I, I guess I agree. Whatever. It's unimportant. <laughs> I really like... The the improv thing, I think that that's incredibly important because a lot of, quote, bad DMs, I haven't played with a lot of them, but I've heard a lot of stories. I, I've played with a couple bad ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, from what I understand, what, like, one of the hardest things to, you know, look past in a bad DM is when they're too rigid with their stories. Like, yes, if if they're not willing to improv, if they're just like, no, that doesn't work, or no, you can't do that, or whatever that is like really blowing so like instead of being like uh i don't know there's no like hell dimension to reach into like demons aren't gonna work with you whatever no dude you're you're a bard (laughs) (laughs) right you you take that idea and you kind of yes and it and you now suddenly as a dm you're like i actually have a whole fucking story now because yeah go ahead you can convince this demon sweet you rolled an 18 yeah that works he comes through the portal and like fights with you but he he fucking hates this plane of existence. So now he's going to fight with you a little bit, but he's going to grow increasingly angrier with you and he's going to break off. And now, surprise, you have an angry demon that's going to hunt you down for the rest of this campaign. <laughs> Congratulations. Now there's an entire story arc born from this dumb idea that you had. And if you use that story arc, please let us know at spacecastlepodcast at gmail.com <laughs> or hit us up at uh, spacecastlepod on Twitter because. That sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> That's the key. It's like it, it, it is almost like regular ass improv where you do kind of have to yes and things. You have to like give your players agency, right? You have to let them like, yeah, if they want to try and convince a fucking demon to fight with them, go for it, man. Make the role. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll see if this plays out. And if it does, you play out with it. Like it's a collaborative storytelling effort. You hinted at something too about like, putting it on rails and not wanting to do that. You're kind of like talking about, you don't want a DM to throw something on rails and just like have your party do. Okay. Don't go down that road in the dungeon. Cause I need you to go to this road where I have an encounter. You don't want to do that as a dungeon master. Cause then you, you miss out on the stories of like, ah, oh, people, the player characters reminisce about that. Like right. it's like a, it's like an application that's very pared down. Okay. Yeah. It does everything that I wanted to and it's cool, but it doesn't have any custom features. Like the things that people tell stories about in Dungeons and Dragons are like, oh shit, we were in Neverwinter. We burned down that tavern on accident and there was this fight that happened with these bandits right outside. But then we became friends with them and we, you know, we raided the next town over and it was super, it was, you know, it was amazing. It was awesome. That's, that's what makes D&D so wonderful is like you get to do shit like that. Like if, if, if you just have a story you want to tell in your world, like write a fucking novel, like that's, <laughs> if you, you want go, yeah. if you want to play D, it is a collaborative effort and you the dms and the players are both telling the story at the same time that is an excellent point and something i wanted to bring up next was the ideal D session is a group of player characters who understand that the dungeon master has a story they want to tell and to be able to let the dungeon master tell that story 
and a dungeon master on the flip side also giving the players enough freedom and agency to explore that story. Yeah. So it is collaborative because I've seen sessions where the dungeon master was way too rigid and the players just got bored because they were just there because the dungeon master was in love with his own story and his own ability to tell that story. It was boring. It was agony. I've been in sessions where players go completely off the fucking rails, turn into a bunch of fucking murder hobos, and the DM is just at a loss. And that's not any fun either, because eventually one or two players or more will take over the table and will run the show. And the DM is just along for the ride. And so are everybody else who is actually there to have a, like a legitimately fun, like proper D&D session. Both of those are awful. And a good D&D session is when everybody's in harmony. And again, when the DM respects that the players are there to play the game, not be spectators in a story, and when the players understand that the DM has a story to tell, and your goal is to finish that story. And there are types of D&D that aren't like that, right? You've got like West March's games that don't really have a story, but that's like, as long as the, the DM and the players are there for the same reason. Exactly. You're good. Yeah. And I mean, good dungeon masters can give their players an out when they're in. Yeah. Know. Like, you, you know, guys are fucked up. I, I'm here to help. Because <laughs> I've, I've yeah. been in campaigns, you know, I'm playing campaigns where there's, like, characters who want to play this, like, chaotic evil character. And, and instead of being a nuisance to the party, the dungeon master can kind of rein that in. And in one circumstance, the DM was just kind of like, all right, you've, you've pissed me off enough that this NPC is going to come over and try to rip you in half. And he, he made the saving throw, and then he gave him an out. He's like, okay, well... You know, and then the the character came back and was like, "Well, I'm still gonna do the evil thing." And he's like, "Okay." And the then the NPC straight up killed him, ripped him in half, and he sat there for for the next uh, little while, just like watching what was happening and doing some extra rolls for the DM. So I I think there are ways to handle that. I just think you got to read the room, right? Like I think exactly. a good a good dungeon master reads the room. If your characters, if the people that are playing and making this story with you want to be murder hobos okay great you can throw in some puzzles here and there and whatever but maybe you're going to have a little bit more encounters maybe you're going to give them a little bit of what they want to the point where they're like okay we've been doing this for a while i'm ready to use my my brain and noodle on something <laughs> yeah we're we're bored murdering things let's yeah. let's move some crates around and try and find a secret passageway <laughs> yeah you just have to give them a reason like maybe if they're if if you've got a group of murder hobos, surprise, their their king has conscripted them into the army, and now they just have to go and fight a bunch of shit for a while. Ooh, I like that. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> and now, and now you've got the uh, yeah, now you got the royal ar army after your AWOL soldiers. Yeah, and, which uh, is interesting. They're probably out on the heels because they deserted the military. Don't have any money. That I think that that is what really makes the whole game is like a DM and a group of players both having the ability to and the desire to cohesively make a single narrative together. If they want to just be murder hobos and the DM like isn't having it, you have a mismatch and that's that's not going to play out well. But if you if the DM is like, "Hey, here's this this world that I built. I have no story. It's just an interesting place to hang out and like you guys can do whatever the fuck you want. You want to open a tavern? Great, let's do that. If you want to take over the kingdom? Great, we'll do that too." You you just have to have a, a synchronicity between what the DM wants to do and what a the players synergy. want. A <laughs> synergy. synergy. Yeah, and <laughs> that is incredibly important. And I think that that is a thing that comes with experienced DMs. I, I, it's a lot harder for brand new DMs to like be able to roll with punches quite like that. But it's not impossible and it's not that hard. You just have to know what's happening. And people that DM without a lot of experience don't always pick up on those like 
clues and and they don't instantly see what what all is happening right so like it's it, it's a little harder for inexperienced dms to to roll with all of those punches and as a player if you're coming in and you're like this this is my dm's first session like you kind of have to understand that you don't just like throw every idea that you have or you like don't try to break their game like to quick tangent real fast and i'll let you guys get to the points you want to make i see a lot of times um it's kind of a joke that you've got the dynamic that it's like players are trying to play through the game and the dm is trying to kill the players antagonistic like versus situation and are they like rubbing their hands together like TP- tpk yeah, it's happening <laughs> like they're getting off on it rather than like actually DMing a good session. Yeah. Which, which can be very fun and is very fun in situations. Like players decide to do something just very stupid. And you're like, as a DM, I have actually done this where I've, I've said my, to my players, like, Hey, this is going to be a bad idea, but like, we can do it if you want to. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, fuck it. This, like, I think that the three of us can take out this, this King's guard. Like, I, yeah, totally. And you're like, all right, fine. Like I'm, I'm going to fucking try to kill you. Like this is, <laughs> it, that can be very very fun sometimes but the the whole like idea that it's a, a dm versus the players is not good for anybody as like a whole like that that's not how the game should work and in my opinion and that's not really fun for like an entire game it is very fun sometimes for scenes and and for encounters and stuff but i i don't think that the idea that it is a dungeon master versus the player characters is a healthy one and i don't like it <laughs> and i think it should scale right like when you're early on your difficulty class or class are going to be lower you know you you can make it harder as it goes on the dungeon master has that flexibility yeah, and you should but i think that ideally it's in that middle ground where it's difficult enough that it's not like, oh, I rolled a 10 and everything's, you know, I'm doing everything to make the story move forward. It's it's like, oh, okay. There are waves of people coming after me. Maybe it's a good idea that we hightail it and run instead <laughs> yeah. of like sitting here yeah. and, and fighting it out because that sounds like a, a good change of pace or whatever. From the other perspective, I'm like, I feel like, Seth, from the DM perspective, what, what do you think makes a good player? What makes you like excited to to DM for a, a set of players? I said this in in the character episode that we did, and I've said it earlier. Is like the enthusiasm. That's basically it. Like if you are excited to play, like we're fucking in it, man. Because your excitement will mean that you're willing to like try things out. You're willing to like accept the reality of the world. You're like if you're excited to just like be in this this space, then then we're pretty much good. Like there's people that, and I've, maybe I'm very choosy about my players, but I've never played with someone that's been like, just not fun to be around. Even players that are like, Hey, I want to play an evil character. Like, okay, that has some implications, but that's fine. I I've played with, with people that are like a, a quote, neutral evil, which that whole player graph is not prescriptive, right? Yeah. It's not great. It's, yeah. it's just to help you get an understanding of the human right just to understand the person that you're playing a little bit easier but people that are quote like neutral evil that are like fighting alongside the party and then you know half the party gets knocked unconscious and it's like them and like one or two other people and they're like i'm gonna loot their bodies i want that fucking sword and then they dip they're like i'm out you guys can fucking fight this fight yourself like i'm leaving that on the surface seems unfun because you're like man you're supposed to help us do the party but 
if they are like, that's not an antagonistic action. They're not like, fuck these people. I don't want to hang out with them. They're like, they're playing their character. That's my character doesn't want to do this. Right. Yeah. That is still the same enthusiasm to tell this story. They're just telling a slightly different story than the other players anticipated, which is still interesting. It's still fun. Um, so the, the willingness and, and desire and enthusiasm to be in that world and be in this game and play this game with us is basically it. Like, if you're not being a dick, that's it. <laughs> you're, you're pretty good. I start a lot of games the first time, like new campaigns is like, hey, do you guys want to keep track of arrows? Do you want to deal with food? Do you want to keep track of spell components? And if everybody's like, nah, I just want to like, play a video game version of like this fun game cool i'm like i can deal with that but like as long as you set that up so like if one person is like hey man you actually only have four hours instead of five you're like who fucking cares like <laughs> like that's okay if that's the game we're playing that everybody is it's if we're playing like a very strict like keep track of your shit then yeah that kind of call out is fine but if we're not doing that then like that kind of call out is kind of a dick move as long as the players are just not being dicks we're pretty much good then go pick, go pick up your fourth edition handbook and be ready for next next week because yeah. we're switching over. I think that's what it's back to read the room, right? What edition do you want to play? I think that's why Five E's taken off so much because it's more about storytelling. Yeah, you know, you can have the uh, neutral evil character that instead of uh, you know instead of having the interrogation, they like off the bandit that they caught, and uh, just because they pissed him off or said something uncouth about their mother. And then, <laughs> and then now they've got a conflict with their the paladin in the party, and you know it's interesting. It's more yeah. it's more of a fun campaign because um, the story is developed. So I think there are good ways to handle that for sure. And you can have arguments between players that aren't detrimental to the game, right? It's like if that that exact situation, and you have like the neutral evil character and the paladin who, in character, are arguing. They're fighting. They do not get along. But as long as all the players are like on board with that, they're like there to play that game and that just happens to be what's happening in the game it's fine it's it's when behind the table stuff leaves the table that that becomes an issue and that as a dm you kind of have to watch and kind of feel that arguments between players are always a little bit tricky but yeah the as long as everybody's there to like play the game and have a good time with each other everything else can kind of work itself out basically yeah we've talked about D&D being collaborative storytelling. And one thing we haven't really talked about yet is it's not just about the players collaborating with the DM and vice versa. It's the players collaborating with each other. Nobody's having any fucking fun if one guy decides, oh, I'm the hero of this story. Like, I'm just going to fucking lead the charge here. And like, I'm going to make all the decisions. I'm going to be the big boisterous, like main character and all everybody else is my sidekick. Like that shit is not fun at all. Right. And one of the things that's the one downside about D&D becoming popular, especially on YouTube and, and podcasts and stuff like that, is the fact that a lot of people who are just now discovering D&D for the first time are going in with that mindset that I want to be this big, loud, like, actor character. I want to make all the jokes and I want to kill all the monsters and I'm going to try and disrupt the game to make myself the star of the game. And everybody else is just like, well, I guess I'll just, like, fucking go get some nachos and shit and just wait for this motherfucker to, just, like, settle down. Like, Not even settle down, just, like, be. you don't want to be a fly on the wall in those campaigns and you, you're relegated to that slot when somebody min-maxes their character perfectly for the campaign that they're running. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what just as a frame of reference, what you're seeing in stuff like Critical Role or um, uh, the Adventure Zone and stuff like that, you, you don't necessarily want to emulate that when you're playing an actual D&D session. 
what they're doing is for entertainment. It's a bunch of skilled improv actors and voice actors doing their thing. They know how to play off each other. Nobody's trying to be the main character or, or steal anybody else's spotlight. So just if you're discovering D&D for the first time as a result of, of consuming that media, that's not real life. That's I'm going to get a little graphic here. That's like watching porn versus actually having sex. Like porn, like there's there's one person doing all the stuff to the other person and it's weird and awkward if you actually sit down and think about it. When you're actually making love with somebody, it's a collaborative effort and everybody's supposed to be having a good time and it's 50-50. <laughs> yeah. That's not a bad analogy, to be honest. <laughs> Do we mention this podcast is 18 and over? <laughs> yeah. We say we say fuck too much. There's a little flag in our little our in the iTunes thing. It's it's fine. So but yeah, porn's right on track. But that's, that is actually not a bad analogy, especially when you look at, you know, things like critical role, that's not a bad impression of what's happening, right? It's like, okay, this, you can see the fucking Matt Mercer with his voices. Like, yeah, take that, take that to your game. Do voices and do characters that well. Like that's fucking amazing. Totally do that. Yeah. Just don't go in thinking like you're this, this actor who's going to run this fucking table and, and override the DM. This is a group of professionals who not only have been doing this for fucking ever, but also are doing it professionally, are actors. Like they, this is a professional endeavor. This isn't like your friends around the table. So like it is, it's not a bad like thing to, to use as like, I don't, I don't have a good word for this right now, but like to see it and be like, yeah, they do a couple of these things really well. And like, that's a good idea to try and do some of that stuff. Try this position in my DM or my table. You know what I mean? Like it's not a, not necessarily a, a bad thing to try and take pieces of, but as long as you understand that like this whole thing is, this is a TV show and you're not going to play a TV show in your game unless your DM makes a TV show for you to play through, which would be really fun. Or like, I think, you know, you look at an, another analogy, still film related, but like Hollywood big production versus like a short film that you make with your friends. Like you don't want to be the, the guy that's like, I want to be in every scene uh if you're if you're acting in that right like you, right you're not going to occupy all that space because at the end of the day you know i've been in situations in campaigns before where it's like okay this is a very obvious problem for like the druid to solve and then i've had like the the dwarf battle master rogue hybrid min max character come flying out like i'll solve this problem and it's like my guy, like there's some vines there. Like the DM's kind of hinting very clearly. <laughs> this lock is meant to be picked. You're not supposed to break the door down. Right. Yeah. We have a rogue. <laughs> Let's let them do their thing. Yeah. And I've thought about that as a DM before. It's like, okay, I've got puzzles and, and encounters that I want my, you know, uh, players to, to go through. I'm going to create and fabricate those things based on how they will be challenges for the particular uh, player characters. So it's like, yeah, I'll put some locks in there that the rogue can solve. I'll, you know, I'll have some quirky challenge for the bard character or the monk. Like, that's a good way to approach it. And if you if you're just like letting somebody s slam their heel, a la uh, puzzle murder hobo, uh, <laughs> it, through through every locked door, you're not gonna have a fun campaign because it's like, okay, I'm just slamming my uh, my way through every puzzle and it's just like okay one person obviously wants to be in an encounter yeah i sound like i'm i'm just like bitching about one particular instance that i've had but this <laughs> carries over this carries over to a handful of different areas yeah and i think that that is one of the things that separates a good dm from a not so good dm is like that kind of thing is okay to happen 
sometimes, right? If like you've got a, a, a couple of locked doors and you're like, okay, I have these locked doors. We've got a rogue. Like I'll have the rogue pick the locks and the, the barbarian's like, I'm going to kick down the door. And you're like, okay, yeah, go for it, I guess. And if the, if, if you as a DM see the party, like do that, like dejected, like fuck. All right, fine. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he rolls really high and he kicks down the first door. And then he's like, aha, another one. I'm going to, I'm going to try and kick this one down too. Maybe you increase that skill check a little bit so that it's, uh, maybe this is a reinforced door now. So he, he rolls in, uh, you know, a 15 and he fucking sprains his ankle kicking the door down. You're like, okay, does anybody else want to try it? Maybe, maybe the rogue will try to pick the lock. Maybe speak friend and enter. <laughs> exactly. Maybe, maybe this is a magical lock where you can't be broken down. Like that is, I think the kind of thing that makes a good DM is like, you have to read the room a little bit. You have to let players try things, right? Cause that's what makes good games, but you can't let people try things continually or, or do something that is going to ruin the fun for the rest of the table. It's tough. And you can, you can do that in a way that's not like, no, you no you can't kick the door down, but you can continue to suspend their disbelief by changing little bits of your world by like now this is a magical lock that can't be broken down now this is a steel door that like has reinforcing bars and there's three locks on it now instead so like or yeah that you rattled the cage on the door and now you hear footsteps approaching from the back yeah right you can foil that power play from the player without ruining the story and that's tough. That is a hard thing for a DM to do, but that is a thing that good DMs are capable of doing is modifying little things here and there to keep the players fully engaged, to keep their suspension of disbelief intact without letting one or two players ruin the fun for everybody else. So in conclusion, <laughs> uh, I, I hope we haven't like turned anybody off from attempting to be a DM because there is a, little, a lot of responsibility to run the game and keep it going. But try it anyway, because you're just as much having fun, hopefully, as, as your players are. Um, one thing we didn't mention, one thing I think we should throw out there that's important for players is come fucking prepared and be decisive. Because there's nothing worse than, aside from somebody trying to run the table and overrun the DM, is somebody, when it comes to their turn to make an action, they're like, oh, um, well, uh, um, uh, um, let, me, let me flip to the handbook. No. Hopefully, like you and your DM are collaborating on like a session zero beforehand where everybody's rolling their characters. We're establishing the lore for the session. Everybody's like on the same page. If you're a ranger or a magic user or a paladin, have your spells ready. Have them written down on notebook paper. Take notes on your character. Or cards. Take notes. Yeah, yeah, the cards are a little expensive, but you can do that too. Um, Have your spells ready. Have your skills ready. uh, And maybe take a couple notes about the other characters who are at the table and just come prepared so when it comes to be your turn to take an action, you know exactly what you're going to do. And if you're indecisive and you don't know what you're going to do, very quickly pass it on to the next player so the DM can come back to you so the game doesn't come to a screeching halt every time it's your turn to make a decision and roll. I, I want to put some caveats on that because one, it is okay to be indecisive, especially if the thing that the person right before you did in their turn fucked up your plan and you have to like figure out what to do next mm-hmm. and like, okay, now you know, the building is collapsing and I was going to punch this guy instead. So like, it's okay to be indecisive. Um, the key is try not to do that all the time because that does ruin the fun for everybody else. Yeah. But if you're going to be indecisive about a thing, try to do it like in the moment in, in character. Sure. Okay. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. It is a great idea to come prepared, know your character, know their capabilities, know kind of what you want to do, blah, blah, blah. That's all obviously great to do. 
But if you aren't like that, or if the situation changes and you do need to figure out what to do, don't feel like you can't, or you have to like, uh, take me out of the, the initiative order. I'll come back to me later. Like you don't have to do that. You as a player also have to read the table to see like, if everybody is like pissed off at you, maybe you should skip your turn this time. Maybe you should try and figure out what to do while everybody else is doing their turn, but it is okay to be indecisive as long as it's not ruining everybody's fun. That, that's the whole thing. It's like, if people are like, yeah, dude, take, take your time, figure out what to do. Like, this is a very complicated situation. Like, just, just read the table and have fun. Like, as long as everybody's on board, everybody's having fun, there's no issue to be addressed. Yeah, I've, I've run into that before where, like, uh, situations where one player didn't really know what to do because we were stuck in a pit. We couldn't climb walls. We couldn't do anything. And there was something down there with us, so we needed to get out quickly. And it's like, okay, uh, this this character just was like, I'm going to take out my rope and <laughs> hang around and try to see if I can find purchase. And the DM's like, okay, moving on. And then, <laughs> like, later on, uh, it, I don't remember if it was me or if it was somebody else in our party was like, okay, I go over to the person with their rope and I attach my rope to it. And then I kind of point at him and point up towards the hole in the ceiling with the lights coming through. And I tell him to toss me. And it, it was hilarious. It worked like a charm. There were like two nat 20s that were rolled. So the DM had no choice but to let one of our player characters <laughs> sail, through like, the window. sail through the window, land up there. and then. <laughs> but now you've got the lightest character in the party on top of this pit, unable to pull out the like Goliath characters and whoever else. Yeah. So it was interesting. It was fun. It, was, it made the puzzle more complex, but it was great. It was a good mem- memory. Obviously, I remember it, you know, years later. Yeah. yeah. And it is it is hard to improvise, but it is a skill that D&D helps facilitate and it's one that you should try and cultivate for your games. Yeah, don't be afraid. Jump in there. Hopefully you're playing with friends. Everybody's there to have a good time. Everybody wants to laugh. Everybody wants to kill some fucking spiders and orcs and shit. And just whether you're the DM or a player, just be sure you're facilitating that and yeah. make sure you're having a good time and make sure everybody else is having a good time too. That's all there is to it. It's all about fun it's not exactly this isn't some fucking overwatch or call of duty shit like this isn't some serious business and the that one guy who wants to play that one i'm the hero of this situation maybe you guys come up with a superhero situation where this guy is a superhero and the rest of the guys are either sidekicks or like his supporting team like it's the boys and you have to like clean up the mess after the superhero fucks up the whole city that can still be a really fun and really interesting campaign for everybody involved and that one guy gets to be the hero, but the, the rest of the table still has a blast because they have to clean up the mess or they have to do shit like that. Like, you just have to play the same thing with the table. Collaborative storytelling, baby. And go write the next MCU script. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Well, there's that chime again. It's that time again. It's that time again. It's time for transmissions from Earth. Let's go. And I'm Bethann. And we're She Will Rock You. She Will Rock You is a bi-weekly podcast about rock history. Each episode, we talk about an artist and their lives, but we do it a little differently. You see, we noticed there was a lack of ladies hosting music podcasts, so we wanted to fix it. And here we are, two badass millennial ladies talking about rock music our parents wouldn't let us listen to. As a bonus, you'll even get our beer recommendations at the end. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, don't do drugs! I'm Edward October, and I'm here at the October Pod Ranch in the Great Smoky Mountains. Almost every night here, there's a ghost story party around the campfire. In my family, 
We believe that scary stories are best told around a roaring fire with a bottle of wine. That's why bold individualists everywhere choose Octoberpod for their retro horror thrills. Our stories are so good because they're told with such care, understated, moody, and above all, chilling. Why don't you join us for retro horror of impeccable taste? Choose Octoberpod. Find us on YouTube or at octoberpodvhs.com. Octoberpod. Retro horror for bold individualists. As always, some uh, very influential, hopefully, and very lucrative messages from Earth. Alex, you've been doing some Deep Space Recon. Are you ready? Are you sure? Are you ready? I'm prepared. You're prepared? Yes. Okay. We're not going to come to you and you're going to be like, uh, pass. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, next. <laughs> I, got, I, I could take my rope out and I'm looking for something on the wall. <laughs> um, uh, this is going to come as an absolute surprise to you guys, but I live in this uh, writing and um, book space. And there's this guy named Dan Wells, who uh, who I admire from uh, many things, including the Writing Excuses podcast that he does with uh, many authors. But you know, the the original hosts were Howard Taylor, Brandon Sanderson, and Mary Robinette Qual. Probably mentioned it on the show before. But anyway, it's it's relevant because Dan Wells not only is a is an excellent best selling author. He wrote the John Cleaver series, um, Partial Sequence. Um, some standalone novels he's been nominated for hugo's and everything like that he he now is a professional gm so he he spends many times over the course of the a year and i think he's been doing it for about a year and some change now um since since lockdown uh he he will do one shots or continued campaigns for you and a group of your friends um, Holy shit! He's a DM for hire. Yeah, he's a that DM for hire. Sounds dope as shit. Yeah. Be right back. I'm quitting the podcast, guys. I, it was good knowing you. <laughs> so I've got a new career. <laughs> this is the thing. So Dan is the GM for their uh, typecast RPG, which he does with um, a handful of authors and creators. Um, Brian McClellan is one of them, and this is where I heard about it was on Page Break, which I've mentioned earlier in, in the show. He was talking about becoming a professional GM and how he, his his rate it's understandable and approachable it's something like somewhere between 10 and 20 dollars per person per hour so you know it, it's I, to me it seems pretty reasonable but um you know you'd have to double check with his site it's just the danwells.com he does professional games and this is from a, a an excellent author and writer somebody who does one of those shows a la critical role uh typecast rpg but um they they do an online twitch stream to uh, kind of run through their campaigns and Dan is the the dungeon master for that, but he does it for you and your friends. So if <laughs> you know, you had a group of buddies, you could just reach out and they'll, he'll set aside some time and run a campaign for you. So Holy shit, man. Nine-year-old DT no longer wants to be a lawyer or a paleontologist. He wants to be a professional <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons dungeon master. Fuck. Yeah, that sounds dope as shit. What a fucking enterprising gentleman that is a fucking brilliant idea yeah it's awesome uh i i'm i really want i was like i literally had this thought a couple months ago when you know lots going on in life and i'm like i would literally pay money to play D D with you guys and we just need somebody to like either create the story or because we've never you done can help one. all this for free <laughs> 
well, we've never all played a, 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 one of us has had to to DM, right? So we've never all been player characters in a campaign. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. true. That would be a blast and a half. Because we've got, you know, we we bring in friend of the show, Birai, and, uh, you know, we have the TMNT version of, <laughs> of our campaign, basically. Where I bet TMNT would make a great D&D campaign. Oh, fuck yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Holy shit, we can do that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm about it. I will I will play a dual katana wielding fighter. Uh, I will be the murder hobo. <laughs> <laughs> Raphael. You have to be brooding though. Um but yeah, uh Dan Wells, uh, go check him out. Uh, he's very well spoken also. He's got a, a really interesting background, so check out that episode of Page Break if you want where Brian kind of interviews Dan. Um but yeah, the danwells.com scope out his his uh, RPG campaigns. I, I guess you can email him at Dan at Dan, the uh, Danwells.com uh, with RPG lockdown in the subject line and start a conversation about getting your campaign up and running. Cool, man. That's rad as hell. Yeah. man. That's such a good idea. Counter to Seth's point before we went on on break for the intermission. Uh, if you and your party are paying, paying 12, like 20 bucks a person per hour, uh, that is one situation where you better bring your fucking notes because if I'm paying like a hundred bucks <laughs> for five hours to play some fucking D and don't want the fucking ranger next to me to be like, uh, 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 I don't know what spell to use. Nope, you're out. Goodbye. <laughs> you you are being bounced out the fucking club at that point. Hey man, as long as everybody's having fun, it's time well spent. I should I should have wrote it down, but I don't I don't recall if it was actually twenty. It might have been fifteen or ten, but still, I mean, I, I you're right. Your point still stands, ZT. Like it's that seems unbelievably low to me yeah for how much work i put into to campaigns yeah yeah no it's it's very approachable for sure so yeah carve out the time go scope out dan wells uh re- read his books yeah definitely read his books he's got a a sci-fi series i think called zero g i believe i think i've i've found him in uh in a con one year it seems really cool i feel like i've met this guy before at at con mm-hmm. sometime but i can't recall he was at Phoenix Con in like 2017, I think, is when I I actually had a chance to meet him briefly. Just got a got an autograph on my like writing inspiration poster. But nice, cool maybe guy. that's when I, I ran into him too. Mm-hmm. Cool man, that's what a great idea, and it seems like a really cool storyteller. Like especially if you can come up with you know either that many one offs or that many campaigns that you can do it like for other people. That that does seem like a the kind of storyteller that I'd want to. Oh, for sure. You to. want a professional author who can just crank that out. Um, yeah. So yeah, check out Dan Wells. Um, we have a listener question, don't we? We always have a listener question because we have the best fucking listeners in all of podcastum. We really do. Yeah, no, they're great. Yeah, that's, that's, that is yeah. not <laughs> inaccurate. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've got this question. This one comes to us from Joshua. Thank you, Joshua. And I'm, I'm saying it with a little panache, Joshua. The question is, and I quote, congratulations, you've just hit puberty and your absolutely worthless mutant power has manifested itself. What is it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. This this actually feels a little close to home, to be honest. I feel like I did go through puberty and I got a whole bunch of worthless skills. Everybody does. Yeah. All right. What's (laughs) what's yours, Seth? (laughs) My absolutely worthless mutant power. I can tell you what state any license plate is from <laughs> uh hearkening back to uh an earlier episode i can now hear ants <laughs> oh. oh no oh that's not worthless that's torturous i can eat an entire bag of oreos without throwing up yo i've got that power 
<laughs> I, I can grow my fingernails and hair at will. <laughs> oh, 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 no. I can carry an infinite number of grocery bags from the car to the door. <laughs> Dude, that is a good power. One actually. trip. <laughs> one trip, baby. <laughs> I've been practicing for that one for years. <laughs> I can instantly categorize my bookshelves in any way that I want to. That'd be pretty nice. That does seem actually pretty good. I take that back. It's not worthless. Yeah, it's like, that's a, it's not worthless. Yeah, I was like, yeah, t- how about um, when, if you could tell when somebody has indigestion? <laughs> you know how when you want to sneeze and you're about to sneeze and you just stop all of a sudden? Not me. I sneeze every fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good fucking power, dude. <laughs> I no longer need insoles for my shoes. Ooh. All right, all right, Bilbo. I, I don't need insoles now. I don't use them. So, like, it's worthless to me because I already don't do that. Dr. Scholes hates him. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need insoles, but I can put bottle caps back on beer bottles. <laughs> I can interject pornography in any conversation and not make it awkward. <laughs> hey. Yeah, that one's pretty cool. I can, I can thread a needle on the first time every time. Ooh. See, there's got to be some application where that would actually be really useful. Some some person out there is like, uh, well, I work in textiles, and uh, <laughs> yeah, every every grandma that I've ever met is like, yeah, big fucking deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, I can drink an IPA and tell you exactly what hop combination is in it. <laughs> <laughs> I I never get tasting notes wrong on whiskeys. Sommelier, that's badass. <laughs> yeah. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, Ciceronis and Somalias are so wildly impressive to me. Motherfuckers can drink a white wine and be like, "Oh, I believe this was uh, this this was this was made in a small village in France called blah blah blah," and I think the house was has nothing to do with the the process was was made of a fine cedar and i think it had a red roof and a white picket <laughs> fence probably about 25 30 feet away from the front door i think the owner drove a buick and his grandmother's name was ethel and i'm like i'm like this tastes like alcohol and grapes i'm having a good time <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's the the fun thing about small years because some of them take it super seriously like oh well you know the cedar probably had an influence on the soil in that region in france and perhaps the smoke from the buick exhaust and then others are like i'm drinking fermented grape juice i hope you like it <laughs> but what's weird is like I, i'm exaggerating for the, the sake of humor but sommeliers are so fucking accurate like here's the grape here's the village it was grown in here's how long it was it was here's how long it was fermented from mm-hmm. and how long it was rested for and they're like spot fucking on and i'm like how i feel like that's that's just memorization for your ap chem test you know what i mean like (laughs) you can't taste that in the grapes but you can taste those grapes and make okay with this taste i know what this is and this is the things i know about that thing yeah you know what i mean yeah there are some clear varietals they are i've i've seen a couple of documentaries about uh somalia taste like there's there's one called som i believe it's very great great series Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um so their their tests are definitely no joke. How much of sommelier tests do you think of them just making shit up and the judges are like, all right, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, sure, that makes sense. Uh, I'm convinced. Somebody sitting at a table in an Italian restaurant would be convinced. So, okay. You you know what, though? Um, one, of the powers, one of the powers I actually got during puberty was I can fill in those little bubble test circles perfectly. <laughs> that is... 
It's pretty, it's pretty worthless. Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good one. <laughs> I can uh, I can hang up movie posters level every time. Oh, that's actually extremely useful. I've got Get a few that I have to like. This motherfucker on the X Men. <laughs> you know when you have like shelves up against the wall and you try to pull them off and it pulls some of the tape or some of the paint off. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that. Oh, yeah, it doesn't happen to me. So. It's the X-Mansion. Magneto's <laughs> about to fucking overrun New York City and, like, destroy the fucking Brooklyn Bridge. And Charles Xavier's like, Beast, Storm, Cyclops, Wolverine, you have to go and stop Magneto. And he's like, Seth and Alex, meet me in my office. <laughs> We've got some posters to hang. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here, Professor X. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the team, sir. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dope costume is just, like, a, a tool belt. Yeah, and that's just it. That's it. <laughs> you're buck-ass naked otherwise. <laughs> oh, your tools are like strategically placed like your your hammer hangs right over your dong so nobody can see it. Hey. <laughs> nobody can see your three nipples either because you've got like a like a bandolier that like perfectly covers everything. Yeah, you got your bandolier, your dong hammer, you're good. Dong hammer <laughs> is your X-Men name. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the next time you play... Uh, a dwarf in any campaign for me and you don't name him Donghammer I'm deeply disappointed in you Alex and you have to play unarmed for obvious reasons <laughs> for, oh he's never unarmed like. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god his charisma rating is through the fucking roof too it's like nothing but strength and charisma oh <laughs> god <laughs> Uh, Alex can't Alex. breathe, so I think this <laughs> might do it for this episode of Space Castle. <laughs> Thank you, as always, for joining us every week. <clears throat> My name is DT. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say it. I'm Alex. I've been Seth. Oh, my God. If you guys have made it this far, thank you so much. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, please, please, please share us with a friend. We would love to have all the listeners we can get and have more people joining this party. Uh, whatever platform you're choosing to listen to this show on, we are on Google. We are on Apple. We are on Stitcher. Good pods, which we actually adore. We are on Amazon Music. We're on all the things. So uh, as you're finishing up this uh, episode, please do not forget to subscribe to us. Leave us a like. Leave us a quick review. Even if it's constructive criticism. They talked about dicks too much. We'll take that to heart. We'll talk about dicks way fucking more next time. <laughs> we'll, we'll go back and talk about nipples like we used to. Yeah. Oh, the good old days. Yeah. This is not an anatomy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, have you heard the shit that we say? It's clearly not accurate. Right, yeah. And uh, thank you as always to our very, very good friend Brian Lovett for his help in co-writing our theme song, D's Notes. Got it. And uh, if there's nothing else to say, we will catch you guys next week. Bye, love you. <laughs> I wasn't going to be like, and I'm Dong Hammer. Dude, I was so have, waiting for you it. You should have oh. just done it. <laughs>